Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us here at Little Gem Alberta at the Sankey Ranch where we are visiting with Murray and Elaine Sankey again. Last week they shared with us about both of their stories started with their grandparents who came from the Ukraine to Canada, homesteaded and farmed the land. And last week we ended their story with Murray and Elaine meeting at a Christian boarding school, falling in love and getting married at a young age. And I stopped Elaine when she told us that reality set in for her when she was married to Murray, a rancher, and all she saw was a dry, barren landscape with not another light on the horizon. And she wondered to herself, what have I done? Am I the only one on this planet? Murray and Elaine, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Good to be here. Welcome to Little Gem. Elaine, now you had this new reality. You were married to a rancher who, of course, you loved, but you're looking out on a barren landscape every day. How did you deal with that? Well, I believe my life growing up on the prairies uh, of Manitoba prepared me for it a bit. I grew up almost as an only child, being quite a bit younger than my two older siblings. So I didn't mind being by myself. I was used to life that way. That would prepare you. Yeah. It did. And then coming out here, of course, being an adjustment still because it was a half hour from town instead of just a few minutes where I grew up. But we took the time because we were very young when we got married. We took the time to mature a bit before we decided to have children. And by the time we did that, about five years later, there were other young families in our church. And so that was much more enjoyable. So, Murray and Elaine, can you tell us about any trials that you have had to face? Well, the way I look at it, um, everybody has trials. Like I said earlier, every one of us have a story. Um, so what is a trial? What is a challenge? And kind of the way the way I look at it now is that every, cha every challenge we have uh, prepares us for the next one. Uh, I don't see anywhere in God's Word where He promises us a smooth journey if we follow Him. There's going to be little bumps in the road, sometimes big bumps. And so we, like many others, have experienced these bumps. But like a wise old family friend told us one time, if the bumps don't kill you, they'll make you stronger. Of course, that's a familiar thing to many of us, uh, the, uh, that saying. So, you know, I have never broken a bone in my body, but I have struggled with autoimmune situations where at two years of age I had polio in the 53 outbreak. I had polio and uh, was, I think, miraculously healed because of the prayers of my family and friends and neighbors, church members. Uh, it didn't last very long. I think it was within three years or so, my mother couldn't catch me around the yard. She was saying, if I ever catch you, you're really going to get a whipping. <laughs> and here was a boy running away that couldn't walk at one time. Another, one of the bigger challenges that our families faced was when our son was almost 14. He had a, a motorbike accident that resulted in a spinal cord injury. And he uh, nearly died. He was very dramatically injured. When I found him, Murray had asked, phoned me and said, he's not appearing at the field where he's supposed to be. Why don't you go see 
maybe he's lying along the road somewhere. Well, yes, he was. And it was in the days before cell phones, so I didn't have a cell phone. All I could do was pray beside him, cover him with a blanket and go home. It was about two miles from home that the accident happened. And the phones hadn't been working. They'd been very sporadic that weekend. This was a Sunday afternoon or morning. And miraculously, the phone worked. I phoned for the ambulance. I phoned a neighbor to go and tell Murray and bring him home. And uh, so that was the first miracle that happened is the phones worked. So later that day, we ended all ended up in Calgary, Elaine and I and Scott. And I'm trying to call the folks back home as to what's going on. And it wasn't until 10 o'clock that night that we actually got through to the folks on the phone. So the phones were out the whole day. So, so it was out before you called. Yes. And, after. and after. And after. So just that little window of opportunity. That's right. The lines were connected, but they were disconnected the whole other time. Yeah. Can you explain that? No. No. That is, uh, that is what I call a miracle, something you can't easily explain away. And, um, and so, uh, there were three miracles that day. When she found him, he had hit a fence post with his head and he was lying. Uh, livestock cattle usually walk along a fence and they make a path, okay? And it's an indentation. And he was lying with his helmet on, which helped, with his mouth and nose over that cow path. He had vomited, like he was unconscious, but he was not choking. He, he had not, not aspirated because of of his helmet holding him up over this this indentation. Yep. So that, that was the second miracle. Third miracle? Go ahead. Okay, him and I that morning had had a big breakfast because we were gonna move cattle that day. And I had taken him over to the neighbors to get his bike he had left there the night before. And so we'd had a big breakfast. We did not realize when he, we took him by ground ambulance uh, to Hannah, which was an hour away. And he waited probably for an hour before the ambulance arrived. They got to Hannah. They had called Stars in already, and they started pumping his stomach. And they lost his blood pressure when they did that. And we were wondering, why aren't they leaving? Why aren't they going to Calgary? Stars had brought blood with them, which they always do. And uh, finally, they came out and they said, "We cannot get his blood pressure back. We're running out of blood. We're taken off." There's a there's a, a slight chance that he may not make it. Well, he, what had happened is he had ruptured his spleen. Yes. And the full stomach had kept the pressure on the spleen. Yes. Where he, so he hadn't bled out until they pumped his stomach. Until he pumped his stomach. So that in itself to me was a miracle. His full stomach, uh, the fact that he, it was right after breakfast. And, uh, and so, uh, of course, he made it but uh, they did not know the spleen was ruptured until they, 10 minutes after they got to Calgary, they had him opened up and, and by the, the problem. By the time we arrived, our, our friends had driven us, you know, and we're talking about what has happened and we're saying, Lord, we don't know how to, how to pray. You know, we don't know what to pray for. Right. You know, what would be best for him yes. to pass away or to remain alive and, and disabled? You know, that was the hardest thing for us, you know, just pray God's will. You know, not know when we got to Calgary if he was going to be alive. I'd like to say too that before we leave this, this subject of Scott in Calgary, 
He was in ICU for what, two weeks in ICU? But not long after he became conscious, uh, we shared with him that you know Henry Fire Robin. If you know anything about It Is Written, you know that Henry Fire Robin was the founder of It Is Written. Henry Fire Robin phoned us this morning and said, the whole team is praying for you, Scott. That just was like the lights came on for him. We had no idea that it meant that it was so meaningful to him. It was just like, and that gave us great courage that, you know, there is some life in this guy, you know. Talking about lights coming on, when the first day that Scott was in ICU, I had asked for a Bible and somebody brought me a Bible. And I, you know, I don't often test God this way, but I said, you know, I, I need something from you, Lord. So I just let, let it fall open. And in Matthew, I forget exactly the, the place where it was found, but it says, if the eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. Yes, and exactly. I mean, we knew he could see, and to me it was like, he's going to be okay, no matter what happens. He's going to be okay. His body, the Lord will look after him. Yeah, so he suffered a compression fracture at the T4 level. And uh, as well, his left arm was taken out of use because when he hit, his head hit the fence post, it glanced off and tore his shoulder away from his spine. And uh, so nerves. his, the nerves, yes. And so his left arm was just there. So here's a one-handed, his right arm is good and strong. There's a one-handed bandit that's, it's going through life eh, with no legs and... We just thank God that he was not brain injured. The Lord has been so good and blessed him so much, even though he lives in chronic pain. He's been blessed with a good mind. He's gotten a good education. He's worked for years in the oil and gas industry as a financial analyst. He's traveled the world and worked throughout the world. And, you know, so the promise of the Lord that he was going to be okay no matter what happened. It has certainly been played out in his life so far. Yeah, and we can keep reminding him, and we do, uh, that God has a purpose for him. His life was preserved for a reason. And some days, he's come close to death several times since with his health issues related to his injury. And, uh, and he comes, comes, comes through, you know, and it's just, uh, um, well, throughout life, you know, through all the challenges that we've faced, and not just Scott's, but we've chosen to focus on the positive. Not what has been lost, but what is still there and maybe what has been gained. Because throughout, I think we've become stronger as a family because of this. His friends, his, uh, our community rallied so much behind us, our church. Like we told you, it was a small church. And yet every Sabbath that Scott was in Calgary in the hospital initially, one family, they took turns, would travel to Calgary with a Sabbath dinner prepared to visit us, feed us, encourage us. And that meant so much. Through all of this, our family, of course, was greatly impacted. It probably affected my dad the worst because Scott, our son, was his special little heir to the kingdom. He was the only grandson, and Dad was already training him to run equipment 
and that, but in all of this, we kept asking ourselves, what is there in this to learn? And so over the years, we have discovered some of the things that, we, that have benefited us. And one of them has been the impact that the generosity of our friends and neighbors had with us. There were total strangers that called us that, from Texas. Oh, we, you, we heard about you this morning, so you're in our prayer group. And we had no idea who they were. Uh, it's People just, of all faiths. Of all faiths, yes. And so that, that got us into the mindset of just being more caring and more helpful. Kind of really educated us and opened our eyes and not only ours, but you know, the whole community learned through it. And I believe we've all been better because of it. About seven months after all the rehab, the hospital visits, um, you were now able to take Scott home. And God spoke to you at that moment. You wanna tell us about that? Well, yes, it was time to bring Scott home permanently. We'd had weekend leaves where we had had trial runs and brought him home. But um, so we had bought a van that was going to be um, adapted for, with, for the disability for a wheelchair. And at that time in 19, it was spring of 93, it, it was a new thing. CDs were a new thing and it had a CD player. And we didn't own any CDs, and we were going to be driving home on a Friday evening. Sabbath would be coming, and I wanted some spiritual music. I like music to bring in the Sabbath. And every day as I had traveled from Ronald McDonald House to the hospital, I had passed a Christian bookstore. So I thought, well, I'm going to pull in here and see what I can find for a CD. And I looked at the rack, and I didn't know any of the people there, you know, of the singers and I thought well I'll just buy one that has a variety of songs a variety of artists and that way maybe there's something that that will speak to me and wow <laughs> did it did the Lord ever speak to me we're traveling home and my family wasn't impacted by this song like I was but there was a fellow by the name of Don Moan who sang the song God can make a way when there seems to be no way he works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide, hold me closely to his side. With love and strength for each new day, he will make a way. You know, what, what a promise that I had to go to over and over again in this, you know, that would replay this song. Especially at that time. It exactly. Was God was speaking directly to into me, your situation. He knew it, as a mom, you know, I would probably bear most of the burden of the caregiving. Um, you know, and I needed some encouragement. Then he goes on to speak in this song, and I'll just read it because I can't remember all the words, but he says, you may be going through something that the devil has intended for evil and seems impossible, but God can make a roadway in the wilderness. He can do exceedingly abundantly, more than we can ever think or ask. He has written you on the palm of his hand, he will not forsake you. What a promise. What a promise. So God was promising you directly through that song. Yes, and he I knew you he needed that. And you stopped and got it. Yeah. So tragedies happened. And a big tragedy with what happened to Scott. Do you think you would be different if that didn't happen to you? How did it change you? 
Absolutely, it changed us. Um, I mean, every test, every stretch makes you stronger. And it drew us together. It drew us closer to God. I believe it also strengthened Scott's faith. He, you know, had grown up as a child learning to love the Lord, and he, he always has. But in reading through the book, The Great Controversy, while he was in the hospital, it just reinforced to him how we have this great promise that when the Lord comes again, he's going to heal our bodies and make us whole. And Scott's disability at that time will be gone. And uh, that brings us great. There's somebody comfort. really in charge. There is somebody really in charge. I think that's what every young person wants to know. Who's in charge of this mess that we're inheriting? And Scott discovered by reading that book that there is somebody in charge, and that's God himself. There is a plan. There is a plan. Marianne Elaine, you've been telling us about how Scott was growing spiritually. Can you share with us your personal spiritual journey as a couple? Well, certainly as we were growing up, you know, we grew up um, in small churches where we were always involved and we had been baptized each of us at a young age and, and but that was just the beginning you know we still had much maturing and growth to do in our spiritual journey and so while we were at uh, college there was a week of prayer speaker called Mike Stevenson who came and spoke and somehow he just really touched both of us um, we both knew that someone we wanted in a spouse had to have a spiritual relationship with God. And we found we were on the same page. We, we were so touched by the way Mike portrayed the love of God to us that we wanted to love him back that way. And so, you know, we recommitted ourselves at that time to the Lord. And shortly after we got married, a good friend of ours uh, shared some tapes, if anybody knows what tapes are anymore. Cassette tapes. <laughs> Cassette tapes with us on, um, on thoughts of uh, knowing Jesus as a personal friend versus, um, uh, you know, just someone you have to try and please. And um, they were given by uh, a man called Morris Venden, who's written many books. And it spoke to us, it spoke to us. It was, it's called a, a message of righteousness by faith. And uh, that gave us kind of a good start. But it was our friend that shared that with us. And uh, he's now retired, he was a pastor. He went on to become a pastor and he's now retired. And there again, just you know, a word in the right time to the right people, it, how it can influence and affect the future. You know, it's just something that we have to remember to do more. Mary, I know your father played a big part in your life, and he gave you a lot of wisdom, a lot of counsel, and there's a lot of stories that you had um, that, that really rubbed off on you and, and taught you many life lessons. Tell us a story about the jelly bean jar. <laughs> well, the, the same store in Little Jim that my father and mother bought in 1950, he used to come into with his dad as a child. Back in the Depression years, in the 30s, dad would talk about eating a whole granary full of wheat 
And what he meant was that when they needed some groceries, his dad would load up a wagon load of wheat, bring it to Little Jim, sell it at the elevator, go over to the store, and purchase the groceries. My dad always looked forward to it because his dad would give him a nickel for his favorite candy, jelly beans. So he'd hold up his nickel to the store lady, her name was Mrs. McCray, and Mrs. McCray would look down at him and she would reach into this jar, this jar, which I found after my dad passed away in his house. This is the jar of the Little Gem store of jelly beans. Now these aren't the original jelly beans, <laughs> but I keep this now on my office desk in the shop to remind me of a lesson that my dad told me he learned. As Mrs. McCray reached in her jar of jelly beans and counted out for that nickel, we'll assume she counted out uh, five jelly beans, okay? That's what his nickel would buy him. Then she'd stop and she'd look down at him and smile. And she'd, and for some reason he kept his hand there and she'd give him another couple of jelly beans. And he said that happened every time. He said he learned from that lady how to be generous. And I often wondered after that time when my dad would sell seed, wheat and seed oats on the farm, and the, the neighbor or whoever it was would be loading up the seed oats and dad would go to shut the auger off when it was enough and he kind of had trouble finding the stop switch. You know, and I'm thinking, dad, you know, but it goes back to that extra jelly bean. I learned that story from dad. He learned that lesson and I have resolved to be the same way and this reminds me every day when I look at my jelly beans.
Murray and Elaine, in closing, are there any Bible promises or spiritual messages that have been really striking to you and that you have just held onto and claimed? For myself, I have many favorite Bible texts, but a specific thought that gives me a lot of courage that you can glean from putting a number of God's promises together is that when we reach the end of our life's journey and we get to heaven and we're reviewing our life, uh, we will say, God, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. That gives me so much courage because I have so many questions, questions that, that just I'm so anxious to ask, not just God himself, but others that are going to be in heaven. And, uh, and so I just uh, can't wait, can't wait for this. And uh, it has not, these questions have not caused me to lose my way or lose my faith, but I leave it there. There's questions that have no answers here. And that's kind of the way it is with our life. We have questions risen out of, rising out of our different uh, experiences that just have no answers right now. But God says, I'm looking after you. So, Elaine, before we end, I wonder if I could ask you to please pray for us. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the leading that you have given us as a family. Thank you for making a way when perhaps it was not evident to us, but you, you cleared the way and you gave us strength and you have continued to uphold us and bless us. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you for the ministry of It Is Written. We pray that you'll bless them. And we ask that your hand may be on us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Marie Elaine, thank you so much for welcoming us into Little Jim, your home, your ranch, and uh, for allowing us to hear your story. Thank you for allowing us to share it. You're very welcome. We love so much what you're doing with It Is Written. Keep on doing the good work. Thank you. As you just heard, Murray and Elaine's personal faith was deeply impacted by the ministry of Morris Vinden. So our free offer for you today is the book To Know God by Morris Vinden. In John 17 verse 3, Jesus essentially defined eternal life in these two words, knowing God. Not simply knowing about God, but actually knowing Him, having a personal and positive relationship with Him. We want you to experience the truth that is found in the words of Jesus when He said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Father's Day weekend, always on Vancouver Island with Kim. 
And there's Kim and, and her boys, Nick and Luke. The other favorite family yes. time out at Panorama every winter. Look at the hair that she's got. And there's Kim practicing for ultra marathons. That was probably the year she went to the death race in Grand Cache. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.